Welcome to the Comics Misremembered Podcast with your hosts Jim and John, and here's the opening music. Hey everybody, and welcome back to Comics Misremembered, your comic podcast where we talk about things comic and comic related. I'm one of your hosts, Jim. And I'm John. And together we talk about the comics and such. Comic related items. Comic related items. This week though, we are talking about a comic book. Yes, Comic indeed. book series uh, that no longer exists and we're going to get more into that. But as always, I pick a piece of music. John doesn't know what I picked. Uh, he has no idea what I picked. That's right. This is the first time he's hearing it on this podcast. Right. But he might have heard this song in the past. And we yes, play, play a little game here where John tries to take a guess at the artist and the name of the song. Do you have an idea of what that is? I do. This is my one of my favorite periods of the Rolling Stones, and that is Undercover of the Night. Undercover of the Night, Rolling Stones. Absolutely correct on both counts. Bing, bing. And um, so the reason why I picked this piece of music is the comic we're talking about is um, Gotham Central. And so let, let me explain to people who maybe don't listen to the podcast on the regular why we are talking about Gotham Central. So a few weeks ago, we watched the movie Old Guard, right? That is true. And I was talking about the history of Greg Rucka, who was, Greg Rucka wrote Old Guard, the comic, and he also wrote the screenplay for the movie. And what we like to do in this podcast is we talk about the history of people, like where did they come from, what other projects may you not may have known them from. And uh, Greg Rucka worked at DC in the early 2000s, and uh, he worked on Batman. At the same time, Ed Brubaker was working on other comic book series. Uh, I think it was Catwoman. He did some other stuff prior to that, but Catwoman was kind of like his main gig when he started really working for DC. And the reason I know this much is because um, I read maybe the first year of that comic series. So this is like 2003, I'm going to say. Um, and the uh, uh, Darwin Cook is, was the artist. That's the reason why I picked it up. Nice. Um, so he's writing uh, Ed Brubaker, who I didn't know who he was at the time. Right. You know. Well, because he wasn't developed into the Ed Brubaker that we know now. Right. Ed Brubaker and... Um, and uh, Rucka are working together. They come together. They're like, oh, why don't we work on um, this project that I really want to do called Gotham Central, which is about the police officers that live and reside in Gotham, you know, outside of Batman and everything else and how they live their lives. And I was like, well, this sounds like a really interesting idea and angle. Such an awesome premise. Right, exactly. It's, it's Seriously, it is. It's If you think about it, it's like, you have every day you have these like high powered villains going off and you know doing all this mayhem and and chaos but you still have like your low level thieves and muggers and other you know stick up guys and everything else that you've got to deal with and what would and how would your normal person who doesn't have any superpowers deal with all of this right and uh, so we we talked about it a little bit um, and i said it really sounds like it, it would be an interesting read so after that podcast, I went and did a search, and I found somebody who had the first. That luckily, right now, since it's been out so long, it's been out since two thousand and six. Um, they collected it in normally they do do in story arcs, so they collect it in five issue arcs and they sell it as a trade. But it's, since it's been out so long, they take the first two books and they put it into one, and they call it a book. 
Yes. So I bought Gotham Gotham Central Book One in the Line of Duty, it's called. Yes. And I believe there are a total of three books, so basically six trades, and then that's it. The the, the It didn't have a long run, unfortunately. Um, and we'll even talk about why this book, you know, uh, how it's kind of like a hidden gem, yes. I'm going to say. Uh, and why is it a hidden gem? Why didn't it have a long run? Well, when we talk about the history of it, you're going to understand why. Okay. So now you've got the reason why we're talking about Gotham Central. Like, out of nowhere, like, why bring this up all of a sudden? Well, this is the reason why. Well, we also had, this is also dovetailing with our last conversation about the uh, Eisners, because this is an Eisner award-winning book. It was nominated twice, two different years. Oh, that's right. No, was it? No, 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 no. It, it was nominated twice, yep. but it won once. Ah, that's right. So it did win, and I'm going to talk about that as part of the history of it. Uh, so... Talk, speaking about history, let's get diving dive into the history of this book. How did it come about? Okay, this is what I got. Greg Greca and Ed Brubaker collaborated on Officer Down, uh, which was a Batman crossover. And the main gist of this story is uh, Commissioner Gordon is shot and put into a coma, and the Bat family investigates who did this. And it, it, was, it went through all the Bat books at the time. So there was... Um, Batgirl, Shadow of the Bat, uh, Nightwing, you'd all those type of books. And um, they so after that, because they were writing a part of a story, and then, you know, Greg, Greg Rucka did the Batman part, and I guess Brubaker must have done the Catwoman part of it. Um, but they collaborated, and they're like, well, why don't we work together on this other project? So they wanted to do a series about poli- the police in Gotham City and finally obtain approval from DC executives. The writers wanted to wanted Michael Lark for pencils and waited nearly a year to get him on board uh, due to scheduling conflict, but used the opportunity to plan out the storyline. So they had downtime for a year to kind of plan of like where they wanted the story to go. And the reason why they wanted to get Michael Lark, you're going to understand when you see it visually, yes, why he's a necessity, because this is a dramatic series. It's based on real people. There's there's going to be some super villains in the story, but the majority of the time, like 80% of the story is going to be just the cops dealing with trying to catch these people, how they're going to catch these people, and then dealing with their personal lives after the job. Yeah, it's it's straight out it's straight out of low cash, and it's and the the art the art matches the tone and and uh, the scale of the and allows for a level of intimacy that like heroic you know, like more heroic cartoon art wouldn't have worked in terms of, it, it would have been, needs, it, it would have been more tone deaf. Yeah. It needs more realism. There are a lot of shadow and use of shadow in this book. Um, I, I, you know, I think, I think back to um, Ed Brubaker's current comic series, which is criminal. And yeah. um, he works with Sean Phillips with that. And Phillips does a fantastic work on portraying kind of real people in a seedy world and the, the things that they do to each other. And this is what Michael Larkin was basically working for, um, to portray police officers working in an insane city that has these supervillains yeah. and Batman, but they don't see them all the time. They're only going to see glimpses of these characters. And, and, and then like the, they have to deal with the aftermath yeah, of what happens. They're collateral damage in a lot yeah. of this. So... Uh, fantastic artwork, and that's so I can understand why they wanted Michael Lark. And the funny thing about Michael Lark too is, um, when I was looking at his kind of history of 
comics that he's worked in. I think one of the longest runs he did was on Daredevil, and I think Brubaker was writing that at the time, which is a perfect fit yeah. for his style. Again, because Daredevil is not necessarily a superhero comic. It's a vigilante comic. So the, the person, uh, the main protagonist, Matt Murdock, is a human. For the, it's yeah. like he doesn't have superpowers other than he can he's blind but he can see with a radar sense yes but it's not like super strength or super speed or anything of that nature yeah, it, so you have to understand human dynamicism a mess uh, mixed with kind of like the real life locales of New York City uh, so perfect but then other than that he hasn't had like a lot of work and I think he would have be great on like a Punisher style comic. Yes. Again, when you need like a human element put into it, he'd be. I mean, even with superhero cars, I'm sure he'd be gangbusters on like a Superman book or a Batman book or something. Well, especially a back Batman book. It'd be like Batman. Yeah. He could make it look like Batman Year One, like you know, less kind of superficial, like grand scale, grandiose kind of things, and more grounded in reality. Yeah, and that those are the that's the time that's the Batman that appeals to me most right. in, in well, a lot of ways. Well, the funny thing is, we I just saw the trailer for the Batman. Yes, and that's kind of what DC's going back to, like the roots of the character, and you know, the, more more in the vein of the Christopher Nolan stuff. Right the the investigator as opposed to like just the jacked up superhero. Right the in, like the Justice League version. Yes, which is thank God. Yeah, so. We'll, so hopefully we'll see Michael Larkin working on something like that. But I wanted to just give a shout out to him because the, I, the, I thought the artwork was fantastic. Uh, so they plotted the new series uh, elements and decided to script the first story arc together. So the first story arc is only two issues. Then they split the length of the cast into two shifts. Rutka would work, would write the GD, GCPD day shift storylines and Brewbreaker would take over the night shift under cover of the night shift. Ah, uh, now you know why I picked them. And um, Lark would, would pencil them both. Gotham Central's debut yielded an Eisner Award nomination in 2003 for Best New Series. I thought it was 2006, so 2003. Um, and that was for Best Writer, Rucka, Best Writer, Brubaker, and Best Penciler, Inker, Lark. Um, then the series went on and it got nominated for uh, net the following year in 2004 for Best Serialized Story. For the half of a life, which is Gotham Central's issues six through ten, which is the second half of this book that we were reading, so it won an Eisner for that. Uh, it won a Harvey Award for best single issue in a two thousand four story, and again, half of a life, tied with Love and Rockets number nine, and a Galactic Spectrum Award for best other work, half of a life. So that that story arc specifically yes. gained four or, or three. I'm sorry. Three well-known uh, awards. Holy cow! Tied with tied with uh, Angels in America. Talk about a heady com. You know, heady. You know, a heady company of because Angels in America was a powerhouse. Well, exactly. So you say this. So it's like it got a lot of buzz, awards, nominations, fantastic writers, fantastic artwork. How could this book fail? Well, well, people, there is just well, I'll use sure. myself as an example. I knew it existed, but I didn't know. I knew who Greg Rucka was at the time because I was reading Batman. Yeah, but I didn't really know who Ed Brubaker was because I kind of was reading Catwoman, but I didn't really know much else about him. Like I wasn't reading his criminal stuff at the time. Yeah. Um. So I'm just like, eh, I don't, you know. Hmm. And then uh, police officers, okay, yeah, I guess that would be okay. I mean, I was in a different headspace, right? <laughs> Two thousand three. 
And but I'm just like, ah, whatever. They never really pushed this book. Like I didn't I don't remember seeing a lot of ads for it, it reading yeah. other DC comics. So you would read Batman. It's not like where's the DC PD, you know, Gotham Central. Yeah, you'd figure at least there would be like a tie-in, you know, sort of a reminder of well, it. Well, they should that's where they really should have done it. So I think the first year it had really good sales. Yes. And then year two, it started to decline. And by year three, they were... Brubaker left the book at the end of year three because he, I guess, had all the stories he wanted to tell and he wanted to move on. And as soon as he left, they're like, we're canceling the book. Yeah. Because like, I guess they wanted to keep him on and then that, now he's gone. So um, I'm interested in, you know, read. I didn't read six through ten, so I didn't read that half of a life, but it sounds really interesting. And I want to get the next book because the next book has more tie-ins with the criminal element um, in Gotham Central. And what's in, what's interesting is that you also mentioned like what where your headspace was at the time. Yep. Um, at that time, we were kind of like on you know the, the, you were pretty much on overload with all the with all the cop shows. I mean, this was like you know this was you had the whole um, Law and Order franchise, and you know so if if you wanted to if you were getting into that sort of police procedural. You had you know you had several ways of scratching that itch. Well, and I wasn't even I wouldn't even say like I'm a big police procedural fan. Yeah, that's like either show wise or reading about it in comics. But now knowing who the writers are, I you know how would I know then what I know now? I would have been reading this from the start. Yeah, it would have been. It's this is another case where it would have helped to have. I don't know if it's more sympathetic, a more sympathetic like uh, comic, you know, audience, or maybe just more. Um, remember, we're still in the infancy of social media. Well, no, no, and this is, that's a good point because in the past, um, like in the '90s, if there was something that was kind of beyond underneath the radar that was underappreciated, there were ma magazines like the Wizard Magazine yeah. and Comic Scene where they would focus on things like, "Hey, I wouldn't have read." Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol yeah. at the time, had I not read an article in Wizard Magazine saying, why aren't you reading this? Exactly. You know? So if there was an, somebody pushing it, saying like, why aren't you reading Gotham Central? This is, book is about to be canceled because you're not reading it and you should be reading it. And it would have... And, th and I think it's interesting because like everything else, Batman, it's dark, dirty, and it's it's got... It's dark gritty and dirty but it has that uh, that that spark of humanity that you appreciate right the problem was that there wasn't that that it's harder to advocate you know so the people you know this wasn't necessarily part of your part of your target audience isn't necessarily into like that you know that that you know that genre you needed to kind of explain how this fit into the batman universe right. that's why i was saying if they had done a tie-in that if you had if you had had it would have like, helped if you had you know if, if there was a batman where you know like he ran in you know if he ran into um you know some well, like one of the like one of the you know like one of the you know one of the detectives and mentioned you know mentioned oh you know the, he mentioned the series you know just even that um or if better yet if he had um if he had run into uh Detective uh, Driver, you know, who has you know has animosity towards Batman. If he they introduced him even just as like uh, tangentially, that would have been an awesome. That would have been an awesome like tip of the cap and kind of to kind of push the you know push the uh, franchise. Right. And it seems like, and it, it this is also it's also I I kind of feel like it's a, sort of a victim of sort of corporate culture where you know it's like it's so different from the other sort of heroic comic. So at the time and it's you know and it's it feels like 
it feels very appropriate for the Batman universe, but also something that they wouldn't necessarily be in love with, you know, the people at the top, right? You know, it's like, it's like, oh, this is a great, you know, this is a great thing. We're going to win awards, but you know, like everything else, sometimes you, sometimes you put those, those movies out to win awards and not necessarily to sell, co- to sell, to sell copy. Right. 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 They're, they're a lost leader. Yeah. You know, exactly. And you do that to keep people happy and, and yeah, keep and, them on. and to also bring, but the thing is it, it, if they had, if they had more eyes on it, it would have gotten even bigger, and it would have made even that much more of an impact. I think to their, you know, to positively to the to the company, and also and also help set the tone for what DC was becoming at that time. And I think that, like I said, and it's one of these cases where you feel like, at, you know, in retrospect, this was a real missed opportunity. Now, uh, why don't you give us the synopsis of like what people can expect if they're going to want to read the series? Ah, I would love to. Um, Gotham City is a town. <laughs> Gotham City. Gotham Central. Yes, no Gotham. Yes, Gotham City, a town teeming with corrupt cops, ruthless crime lords, petty thieves, and just a small handful that would oppose them. Grizzled veteran Harvey Bullock, Captain Maggie Sawyer, Detective Renee Montoya, and the GCPD are the law force that stands between order and complete anarchy. Gotham's finest work around the clock, not only to keep the world's most psychotic criminals off the street but also cleaning up the mess left behind by Batman's one-man war on crime. You see, that is one hell of an introduction and one heck of a concept. Yep. And just in the the best part about it is the execution's even better. Right. So we're going to get into talking about the first two story arcs, which is a total of the five issues of uh, the, the series. Uh, at this point, if you are interested in reading this without... Um, knowing anything going into it don't listen to this podcast anymore because we're going to get into the spoiler territory yes but um go back because we're recommended reading go pick it up yes it's it's a good book it's a good series um go read it come back and listen to us if you don't mind hearing a few spoilers you know because we're telling you the first again the first five issues um we're going to talk about the story arcs and their resolutions basically this might get you to say like, wow, that sounds really interesting. I want to read more. And you can then read the next story arc, which is the Eisner award-winning story arc. Um, so that's why we're only going to talk about the first five issues. So it doesn't spoil too much. Yes. Okay. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind when uh, when we talk about this is uh, this is a 2003's DC. They were making changes to the Batman family universe. Uh, as we, as I mentioned, this uh, series came after the Man Down series. So Jim Gordon is no longer the police commissioner. He's of, retired. Of this, yeah, he's retired. After that incident, when he went into the coma, he's like, I'm getting out, I'm too old for this, and he retired. Um, so the commissioner at this point is Michael Atkins. Uh, so if we, if we say Commissioner Michael Atkins, that's the reason why, because Jim Gordon is, again, they reset the DC Universe, so Jim Gordon's back again. But at the time, Michael Atkins was the acting um, commissioner. The other thing, too, is John mentioned a long, well-known, if you're, especially if you read Batman and Detective Comics, well-known um, character called Harvey Dent. Or not Harvey Dent. Harvey um, Bullock. Harvey Bullock. Yeah, Harvey Dent's a different character. But Harvey Bullock. Harvey Bullock is a detective. He, uh, at, prior to the writing of this comic, he is uh, suspended from the GCPD. Right. He was, uh, he was taken down by internal affairs. Right. So th- that's another thing is, so we mentioned Bullock's no longer with the GCPD. At this moment in time, he was not. 
again, the DC universe has been reset, so everything's changed again. So I just wanted to get those out of the way. Just if you think that our comics misremembered brains were working overtime and we're totally screwing up the no, actually this this is legitimately the storyline. So yes, yes, it's not us misremembering. Oh. There'll be things that we misremember, right? But not necessarily those. So the um, the first two issues are called In the Line of Duty, and um, you get the what the premise is going to be on the first kind of three or four pages of this comic. Uh, we start off with the two. Two characters, two detectives, um, which are uh, uh, Detective Marcus Driver yep. and, and his partner Charlie Free Fields. Charlie Fields. Uh, they they're talking to each other, so they're kind of relaying how the story's going to go. There is a missing uh, person's. Uh, there's a missing girl. Uh, her name is uh, Bonnie Lewis, and they're following up on a lead that. Somebody is in one of these apartment buildings may know something about the missing girl. So a police detective chase downs any kind of lead, especially if it's a missing girl who's been missing for like a week at this point. So they go into the, the, the door, they knock on the door and they're like, uh, Gotham city PD, please answer the door. So this uh, person answers his, his name. We're going to find, come to find out his name is Danny. And, um, they explained to Danny that we, we got a tip that, you or somebody in this apartment building um, or this apartment may know something about this missing girl and we'd like to talk to you about it. Now, Danny's there, but unfortunately, there's another character who's in the apartment. Somebody who's going to bring a whole world of pain yeah. to, our, to our two intrepid de detectives. And that person would be Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze! Yes, and, Mr. Freeze is in the apartment. And he is not in the particular... Uh, mood to be to be trifled with and usually freeze is pretty much known for his being cold calm collected you know very being a stone methodical, cold killer being methodical and what happens is something out of the uh, something out of the usual because he because to deform he ends up taking out one of our one of our detectives detectives detective field he, he happens to be the guy first in because, but at the end he um he 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 uses his cold ray on uh, detect on uh, driver on driver's hands, freezing it. You know, freezing his gun in his hands so yep. he can't. Move, but so he can't fire or move, and then proceeds to have a and proceeds to have a conversation with him. Yes, and the the contents of which you're you're not necessarily privy to at that moment. No, well, he has a conversation with driver. Yeah, driver. Here's what he's saying. So the reader knows what he's saying right. to him. And he's talking about, like, you're so stupid. You're so dumb. Um, you're under uneducated uh, Gotham CPD. And he goes on and on to berate him in so, in such, in so many ways, such a fashion. And uh, But Driver's kind of, like, in shock. He's listening to what he's saying, but he also sees that his partner is just, like, a solid popsicle yeah. at this time. And, and yeah. he knows, he knows that... that He's his he's partner's gone. gonna survive. He's, like he's dead, and potentially he could be dead too. But luckily, uh, Freeze just talks to him, and then Danny, the guy who was he was hanging out with, um, says that hey, we should get out of here. I think that you know the, the police are gonna be on their way at this point. They got backup coming. Yeah, they probably because they got some shots off. Yeah. Um. So he's like, I gotta have heard those gunshots. So they so they leave. Um. And uh. Driver is still alive. 
at this point. Right. He's just he's frozen solid. His hand, as you mentioned, his hands are frozen solid, and they're also frozen against the wall. Right. So he can't move. He's he's just like I, he has to wait. And he can't help his any. So he can't help his partner, but his but his partner unfortunately is too far gone. Right. Then um, the next scene cuts to Gotham City PD and kind of like uh, the internal workings. You start meeting characters. There's interactions going on between characters. And this is what I also liked about the series is that um, there's these brief interactions with characters. So I don't know most of these characters that are in this right. book. But there's these brief interactions where you can understand, like, this character doesn't like that character. Um, this character thinks this way of this character, but this way of this other character, just with these brief interactions. Yeah, if it's sort of it. The one thing that I will say about this is that upon you know upon reading it, it had that part of it had a real sort of um, Hill Street Blues feeling. The old well, yeah, yeah. The old well, yeah. You're going. Way I know. Back. I'm going. I am going way back because every once in a while, I admit to being that old. Ah. Going yes, way back, in, back, way back. Going way back to my childhood. Yep. The the, the yes, with one of the um actually one of the groundbreaking um yeah, it won a lot of awards. You know, award winning shows, but kind of really kind of redefined the police genre. Yeah. Um, with its you know by being making it adult and people having re, you know relationships and everything else. One of the things that I really liked about the interactions between people is that they it's always almost always between. They're the you know they're pairs of people that are are that are either out there either as a beat cop you have your partner or as a detective you've got your partner mm -hmm. and the the emphasizing that um the the similarities and differences between those those things because um you know there's definitely that you get you get the you know you get the implication that there's you know that there's a caste system you know certain people have you know are certain have have certain more pull than others and it kind of and you get introduced to this you get introduced to like the introduce you know the the workings of you know of a, of a department that feels you know sort of under you know sort of undermanned under siege and sort of um and yet still like able to you know get off the bet you know the the normal back pity backbiting and you know you know one upsmanship as you know that goes along there they've got a and it's um it's it's interesting because one of the things that happens is that it goes through like like every good police procedural is that you know, of course, they're they're of course they're really glad that you know that drivers that drivers safe and you know that he's you know that. Well, he's you're, you're skipping like. Oh, go wait, ahead. Wait, I wanted ahead. to talk about the characters. Oh, sure. Okay. Um. So going back to what I was talking about is you you, you get like this interaction of all the characters that are in the office. The first character you're going to meet is uh, Stacy. Stacy is you call her a secretary, but I guess you might call her a uh, administrator now. Um, administrative assistant? Yes, well, no, just administrator because she, she's the one that gets the people's notes and stuff like that. And uh, but she, you know, she, and she's kind of a, a young-looking um, girl. And then the next character that we're introduced to is Captain Margaret Maggie Sawyer, and she has a really brief interaction with Lieutenant Ron uh, Probson. And um, the, Probson is the lieutenant of the overnight shift. And Sawyer is the daytime. Um, well, she's she's the um, captain, but she also comes in in the morning. And so Ron um, is talking about how he, two of his detectives haven't returned. And then um, she makes mention that, like, well, if, if you want, I can get two of my detectives to go looking for them or follow up on them where they were last. And I forget there's, an, there's another interaction. And then um, he gets kind of, like, put off by her. And then she starts saying, look, Ron, it's like, it's not my fault that I was chosen for this captain position over you. 
Um, if you if you have a problem with that, take it up within you know the human resources. And and he's like, oh, I'm not gonna fall for that trap. And and so they they start bickering off against each other. The other thing is, and then our, some of the other uh, detectives are in. Sar- so Sergeant Davies is another character. Um, he's a, he's a comedian. He's a funny kind of guy, but he doesn't get along with a lot of the upper order. So his um, next in command is uh, Ron Probson, and as interactions go along, you can tell that he does he doesn't have a good relationship with Ron. I don't think a lot of people have a good relationship with Ron, and there maybe is a just reason why he wasn't considered for for captain. I think Ron is too much a stick stick in the mud. Uh, too much. Uh, he's a careerist. You know, he's kind of well. Like... He is a careerist. But he, he he's also um, he he he's not easy to get along with. Um, he's a very uh, peripatetic. Um, he he just like he's very stoic too. He's not a happy-go-lucky kind of person. And so you you meet these characters, and then you um you find out that uh, they're gonna okay we're gonna send some of the detectives out to see what happened. And then the next character you're gonna meet are Renee Montoya and Detective. Uh, Christmas Allen, they get assigned the lucky work of following up with Driver and Fields. And they get out there, and of course they find out what happens, and so they have to call it in. There's a big scene. Um, the good news is is that Driver was able to get uh, saved, and his hand saved. They uh, He just has a kind of like freezer burn on his hands, like really yeah, bad frostbite. frostbite. So they have to wrap his hands up, but he can he'll be able to use his hand eventually. Um, but it, what had happened in the interim is uh, Fields got he got so frozen that he broke apart and he fell and he so his body was like in three yeah. pieces and he's like oh my god and Probst is there too and he's looking at it and he's like I, I, it's horrible but you know we have to talk about it. we have to find out what happened so they know it's Freeze that you know did it but the funny thing to me is. Um, so Renee Montoya is now the investigating officer of the murder scene. Right. Because that's what it is now. And so she's like, I have to talk to um, Driver to find out what he what's So can you tell me everything? And, he, and Driver basically doesn't care. Maybe it's because he's still in shock, but he can't t- t- tell her like why what happened yeah he, he, other than it was freeze he, that did it yeah he kind of he kind of leaves out the whole conversation like that whole conversation of what freeze told him right. So and, I thought that was odd. I'm just like, well, you're a cop. Why don't you just tell it? It's not like you're going to try to have your own personal case and go after Freeze. It's like you need the resources of the police to figure out where he's going to be next. The, and so the next part of the, the series is, is about um, Crispus Allen and Renee Montoya doing the detective work, researching it. There's like a factory across the street. He's cold. There's a factory. They're thinking there's some kind of connection there. So they go looking for that. They start asking questions around. Um, other detectives, like Detective Davies, uh, thinks like, I know Freeze's um, material needs kind of like jewels, yes. uh, diamonds and stuff. So they're going to ask around, like, were there any diamond, big diamond heists going on? Is that the reason why he's in town? Yep. And they found out that there was one. Well, th- that's part of it. But the other thing, too, is then they started shaking down all the creeps that are in Arkham Asylum yeah. asking them, what do you know about Freeze? And they're like getting somebody to try to roll over, but nobody's doing anything. So, it, it, what I like about this series is it, show, it just like if you watch Law and Order or Hill Street Blues or something like that, you see that there's a lot of striking out. There's a lot of frustration that goes into police work. Yeah, because it's like you there's a million reasons where this person could be. Now you have to find out like a million areas where he could be. Now you have to find out 
where is he? Why is he here? What's the motive? When is he going to strike? What's the main target? You know, because he's got to be here for for a specific pur- purpose. So that's what I liked about the rest of the the story is them trying to figure out like why, and they eventually hit on something. If you want to, no, go. Ahead. Oh, did you want to? I thought you wanted. No, to talk I was about gonna, I was going to say, I was I was going to say the the in, the interesting thing, like I said, the the interesting thing about that whole process is how granular they get into like the the police work, mm-hmm. which I thought, which is. You know, once again, not what I would thought of as being, you know, at the time, probably, especially when it came out, wouldn't have necessarily been in my wheelhouse, but definitely is d- so well done that I, you know, that it, it kind of draw, it kind of drew me in. Yep. So the, and now and at the same time, there's kind of like these sub stories and subplots that are going through. One of the subplots is that um, uh, Sergeant Davies is investigating a new criminal arsonist called Firebug. Yes. And they think he may have ties ties to a longtime known Batman villain called Firefly, because they they got some pictures and it's like they're not the same, but they're thinking like but maybe we can similar technology. Yes, yeah, similar technology. So I because I mentioned that is because um, there's there's a great scene at, after they're investigating or in between investigating, Probst goes up to Davies and says, um, "How's that firebug case working out?" And then Davies turns up and looks at him. He says. Oh, didn't you hear? He surrendered. He got a, did a full plea, and he's in, he's wrapped up in jail right now. And then Probst looks down at him and says, a uh, Probst Probson looks down at him and says, very funny, and walks away because he knows he's putting him on, like you know he's just winding him up. Uh, and th- this is again another kind of like funny element because that's how people are. It's like, look, it's cr- it's I'm trying to find one guy in a city of millions of people. I have no leads, and you're at, you're on my case about like where is the guy? It's like so I'm going to give you a hard time too, you know. And then this is how humans interact with one Absolutely. another, right? So I just mentioned that because that's you know part of kind of like a subplot that's going to happen tie in later on as we're talking about it. Um, so they they going back to the Fields murder though, and, and the other thing too is you you find you find out Mrs. Fields she works for the morgue. morgue um, she has to identify her husband, and his body's become like yeah. soupy because of the the way that it froze. It doesn't well, yeah, work because right it, because because after because the because anytime you thaw something, yeah. it's never quite <laughs> the but, same. And that's like another element that you see in, in cop shows is like the detectives going down to the morgue talking to identify with the, the body, yeah, to, and talking to the guy who runs the um, uh, what what would you call the the coroner's office, the coroner. Thank yeah. you. And, and talking to him and get, having get his kind of like knowledge about like what's going on. Well, the, the medical examiner, I should say. Yeah. So you get all that with this with this series too. Like it, it just like it reading it is just like watching a great cop drama, you know, basically. Um. So the, going back though to the lead, so they shake down this um guy who knows about uh, diamond fencing, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I heard that there's like this big Russian mob going on and. Um, they're doing like some kind of deal today with diamonds and never, and they knew that, um, freeze needs diamonds in order for his technology to work. So they're like, okay, let's see if we can locate this. So they go to like where the places and they find, and they're like too late. Like the, the truck is there. That kid, uh, what was his name? Davey? Yes. Danny. Danny. Danny is in the front seat and he's frozen like inside out. Like freeze yeah, really the, did the whammy with, on him. Uh, well, actually, and like, and with a yeah, icicle spike coming through, coming out of his chest too. Right. It's just like it was. It was particularly cruel. Yes. And um, so you know, uh, Montoya and uh, Christmas Allen, they 
discover like you know his lead the next lead that they have is dead so it's now it's a double homicide um so they're still trying to figure it out now uh lieutenant driver or detective driver i should say detective driver is backing gcpd and he's kind of like trying to put the things together it's like hey, where's freeze what's what's he doing here Okay, wasn't I didn't wasn't that the the introduction of uh, Batman though when the explosion, or is that later? The oh well, they do get Batman in, but um, the, Lieutenant um, Driver goes to was Atkins. What was yes. the name of the commissioner? Uh, Ac- commissioner Michael Atkins, and says if he's like, look, as a personal favor to me, don't call in the bat, even yep. though we know this is Mister Freeze. Because we because I I owe it we owe it to Fields to do it ourselves right, and um, so he says okay I, I won't he, he, you know he doesn't turn the the signal doesn't turn the signal on to ask for help, but at going through the um, you know trying to find out where Freeze is, one of the story arcs is that they go they go to a building and there's a fire burning and dri- right. a driver happens to be driving by, and he's like. There's people in the fire, and it was Firebug, and Davies chases after the Firebug, but he gets away. Uh, and but he's thinking, oh, there's there's got to be maybe people in that building. Maybe I can help them. Right. At this point, Batman comes bursting out of the flames with, with a, like a little, little girl, kid, yeah. yeah, and then like puts it down. You're safe now, and he did, and he takes off, and then like Davies is just like, or not Davies, um, Driver is like looking at him, is like, I can't believe this guy. He's, he's just guy. like, I hate it. The uh, the other thing too. There's a lot of great dialogue in, in even in these two issues. Um, when Davies first meets Driver and they're talking about Fields, they're kind of remembering them, remember the good times, and they have like a task board, like a tally board of where all the cops, the, the yeah, cases the, they solved. The, oh yeah, I was gonna say. And he, Davies yeah. says to him, um, "What we what we used to do was to put a Batman as one of the detectives on the board." And we'd put all the cases that he solved, and then when um, Lieutenant Probson uh, became lieutenant of that department, he erased it. And he Davy or Fields asked him, "Why did you erase it?" And he says, "Because it's bad for morale." And then and then he goes, and Davies tells him, "Well, that's the reason why we left it up there, because it, it motivates sense them. people yeah. to, to do it." You know, so they have again. This is two different ways of thinking about the same problem. And um, but Fields was funny like that, and so they were kind of like remember made him smile. Um, so that's what I was saying is it has like this these lot of great human moments uh, as part of the book, and um, so going going through the the rest of it, they're trying to figure out like you know where's where is Freeze? How right. do, what are we missing? And what and what and what and what is he? What is his end game? What's the end game? Um, but so this is the only thing I I didn't get or maybe didn't like so much about this first story arc is that um, Davies I keep calling him Dave, Driver Driver is at his desk and he's looking down at like all this stuff it's al- it's almost like that uh, unusual sus- or usual suspects moment where he yeah where he sees stuff on the all where spread he sees on the, the Sco- where he sees the Skokie Illinois yeah and he sees the um, an invitation for Gotham's college maybe or something like that uh, some yeah an awards award ceremony yeah. well, the graduation ceremony yeah. and commissioner gordon former commissioner gordon is going to be the guest of is honor. going to be the guest of armor honor and he puts two and two together saying like that's where he's got to that's what it's got to be this is why freeze is in there but I, I was like 
is that it? Like, this is the police work? Is like he thinks that Freeze is going to be going after Gordon? I don't understand. And maybe it's part of, like, a story arc that happened right before this. Because I didn't read every single Freeze story. And I don't know everything. But I didn't know if Freeze had this kind of, like, you know. Uh, yeah, vendetta against against Gordon. Gordon, yeah, time. exactly. I mean, I, and when you, yeah. So when you're talking about the Freeze arcs, you're talking about outside of the Outside, outside of, this of this, comics, uh, yeah. Exactly. And like, I, I just read, uh, you know, Batman. The, interest, the interesting thing was that they also, one of the things that they, one of the things that I really appreciated about this was that they also did a thing where that when they broke down Freeze, they, they broke him down psychologically, like, a you know, like, uh, you know, sort of like a profile style. Yeah. And one of the things that they said that was that he was going against his type, you know, his, his normal profile, that right. he had become more violent and more erratic and more, and more um, vengeful. Right. That was so. This was a this was a an an alteration from you know deviation from the norm for him. Yeah. So it so whatever happened in this you know that we're missing you know outside the story arc it was apparently what was happening with Freeze was very personal. Right. And that 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 and that led to the you know the need to assassinate Gordon. Right. But it, like you don't have to spell it out for me. But I just didn't understand why how they pieced it together of like why that's going to happen. But. Yeah. That's when they call in Batman. They're like, we'll have to bring the big guns, have him be there. And um, and it turns out that that's what it was, is that Freeze was going to attack the graduation. Um, Batman's able to stop Freeze before he's able to hurt anybody. And um, the driver sees that Freeze is, is captured and he's going to be put, put in jail, or Arkham Asylum in this case. Yeah. So that's the end of the first story arc. Now we're moving to the second story arc, which is called Motive. And, and the first story arc was written by uh, Rucka and Brubaker together. So the second story arc is three issues, and that's just Brubaker doing the story arc. So Driver, now that he's got his, you know, he, he's basically covered for the grief of losing fields. He knows that Freezes has been captured, um, so he doesn't have to worry about that. So he can focus back on what he was originally doing, which is looking for this missing girl named Lewis. Yes. Um, Bonnie Lewis. And when he was working, when he got taken off the case because he became part of another case, uh, the FBI started uh, following up on every single lead. They took over the case from Gotham City uh, GCP GCPD. So when uh, Driver comes back, he finds out that the girl's body has been found. She's yes. dead, unfortunately. But he so finds it goes out from that missing she's persons to homicide. To, to homicide. So now they've got to figure out well who killed her. Right. And they got to figure out how long has she been dead, and this again. It, it, well, and let me before we start getting into that, let me just say that um, Driver gets a new uh, partner, and her name is Josephine McDonald. And so she's, they get along great. Um, you know, Driver and McDonald, they they have they ask each other questions when they kind of like they find the body, like who could do this, and they're trying to like bouncing off theories against each other. And then um, they're like, well, let's go back and start re-questioning everybody that was involved with it. And maybe we can get some more in new information because we have to tell the parents anyway that, you know, maybe the parents had something to do with it. Yeah, But, that, exactly. but they have to know that the, the child's dead now. Uh, so unfortunately, they had the hard news of telling that to, to parents, but then also thinking that maybe they could potentially be suspects. suspects. Yeah. yeah, which is unfortunately true in some cases. Anytime there's a missing, anytime there's a missing missing persons followed by a murder, then unfortunately everybody is a suspect until until proven otherwise. Right. So they they go through the procedural of asking the questions again, trying to gain more information. 
they didn't. So they talked to the mother and father. They're broken up about everything that has happened. But he, they both have a feeling. McDonald and Driver have a feeling that neither one of them was involved with this. Right. They also found out that the body had been dead for a while. After they took the body to the coroner's office and they got the examination, and he was basically saying with the the way that the the maggots, the larvae, the flies on yeah, the body. Yeah, this is this is once again this goes back to you know this is one of those CSI things yeah. where you can where you identify that you you can identify how long something has been uh, dead by the by the uh, type of insects and uh, decay right it's one of those it's one of the most fascinating also scary and, uh, and creepy things you can possibly know right and very precise too according oh, exactly. to what, the way he was talking about it. so they, they figure out that i think it was like 72 hours or something that the body has been dead so it's been a while like they did like when the ransomers sent out the ransom note it was basically the same day that the body was dead right so they're thinking that maybe the ransom was just kind of a, um, a red yeah red herring that they yeah. that it was something else going on so the other thing that they find out is that the girl was leaving from doing a babysitter job. So they go talk to the family that the baby that she babysat sat for before she went missing because she walked home and she went missing. And they talk to them. These guy, the guy and the the, wife, the guy, especially the husband of that family, was kind of standoffish. Um, but they really didn't get much out of that. Yeah, wasn't openly wasn't yeah, overtly yeah. wasn't overtly hostile, but just not, but yeah. just sort of vague and not helpful and unhelpful. Yeah, so they thought like we'll put that on the back burner because maybe we'll come back to this. Mm. What what they talked about was that they went through the she went through the park and there's like a homeless man right, in and the this park. is you know so and of course you know this is of course homeless people and they also found a connection because one of the things that they found when they were when they tossed his when they tossed his his uh, flat was a. Uh, his flop, I should say, was a was a library book that she had taken out. Right, but this is already kind of known information because the the babysitting family said she's always talking to the homeless person, you know, setting him up as a suspect. Yeah, but but also they had like a friendly relationship. It wasn't that like yeah. she would bring him lunch and stuff like that. So they capture him. They kind of question him. They think like, okay, he's. Not has nothing to do with it. Like it, it, maybe this is it. He's just a crazy homeless person, like kills the girl, and whatever. No, but they find out that that's not the case. And the other, so they really, but they don't know really who's suspect number one. Is there? They, oh, and then they they read her diary and they find out like these boys were teasing her. Yeah. So they think it's these boys that maybe were trying to cover up a so murdering they, her. So they cha- they this and this is another one of those great one of those great things where you know like uh, they end up chasing the boys down. Yeah. And uh, they. Uh, they had they had stolen a batarang yes. that she had found at you know that she had found at a fight and that she had kept right and uh, there's a great and the great scene the great scene about it's a great scene because the, at the end of it they're like well you know is it worth murder for and the kids are like wait what she's dead right like they had no idea that it's just like no we just took it from her we, you know it's like we're just you know we're junk, we're jerks but we're not you know we're not murderers right and they're like you know they're young kids too so it's like you know it's but once again. The way that they, the way that they go through the, the, you know, the, the, the dialogue, the, the, the process, it's just perfect. Right now, the um, so we're getting close to kind of the end of the podcast. We have like about like thirteen oh, four minutes. So what I'm gonna do is I'm not gonna spoil the end of motive. Yes. Um, but it, they work it out. They figure out who the suspect is. They get enough damning evidence against him that they can put him, you know, take him to court. Uh, and I'm saying him. I'm, I'm kind of spoiling some of it. it. It's a man, you know. But that's okay. But the the way that they capture him, it's like perfect. is yeah, because they 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 uh, find another 
character who may be related to the suspect. And another case gets tied into... So just like when we were talking about Freeze and like all everything else is going on, another case that's running parallel with this case gets related to this and like, oh, maybe this is the reason why this is now a suspect. This guy's a suspect. And they, it just, I like the way that it got resolved. And it's it was fantastic story. Perfect. It was, and when it's funny when you, it's funny that you brought up uh, usual suspects. Yeah. Because a police lineup does involve, is involved, involved in this one. Yes. In the, and it's, and, but it's used as a, as a trick, as a, as a ruse to draw out yeah. the actual, the actual perpetrator. Right. Hey, let me just, and without spoiling anything, if you were ever taken into a police station and they don't tell you why you're there and they hold you there for hours, get out. Yeah. <laughs> get, Ask get if out. you're free to leave. Yes. Can I? Am I free to leave? Can I get a lawyer? Because they're not, the police are not your friend. No. <laughs> if you're in a police station and they're asking, oh, we just need your assistance with them. Yeah. It's, and, and the thing is that, and, and the thing is, it's that's the that's that's a really good that's a really good point because. They actually take up the whole thing about you know being a good Samaritan and you know and and that role of your civic you know your civic obligation. But remember, the one thing that police can do at will and with impunity is lie to you, right? And that's and once again, and manipulate you. Yeah, but and you know we're saying this, but it's like when you follow the the storyline to its end, oh, you, you understand what's going on. This and by the way. This is one of the reasons. This is just this just this story arc would have justified reading all of it, right? Because uh, I I'm and I, and I will say this: I'm not to ruin the not to ruin the ending, but one of my one of my favorite things about this, you know, about the for the first two story arcs, is that at the end of at the end of um, motive, yeah, you have um, you have you have um, driver. driver Go up to the go up, flip on the bat signal, yep, and tell Batman, yeah, we got this one. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and that's what was my favorite part too, because Batman shows up and he goes, Lieutenant Driver or Detective Driver, what is it? And because he knows who he is, yeah. And Driver's like, I just want to let you know, we there was a villain that was a uh, you know uh, harming people, and through detective work and people working together in the GCPD, we were able to solve this case without you. Like he's basically telling you know. Yeah. Batman would go f himself. So Batman, Batman is like, "Thank you very much, but please don't use the bat bat signal yeah. unless it's an emergency. Never use it again. <laughs> yeah, like never use it unless it's emergency. And then he takes off. It's like, yeah, it's like it doesn't phase Batman that like, you solve the case. Yeah, congratulations, dude. I do this it's all the like, time. It's like I have a thousand cases above you. Try to get on my level now. Yeah, it's like yeah, you do. You just you just spent how many times? You know how much time doing something that I do like on before breakfast? Right, exactly. Um, but so that was just like a fun end to to that particular but I, but issue. What I appreciated was just the humanity of that moment where he's where, where if you think about it, your average person is is must is terribly conflicted about Batman. Yeah. If you're you know because well, if you're a police officer, you're conflicted because you're like yeah, sure he's helping get the crime off because he, he's he's able to bypass law, like he's able to to he doesn't have to get warrants for anything. Exactly. He can just be, but also he's doing my job. I mean, what's yeah. why why do I exist if Batman's like rounding up all the criminals and i think and i just but also the fact that that you know it's because freeze was able to take down his partner being able to at least maybe not make up for the fact that he couldn't take freeze down by himself but the fact that he was able to to do something to get somebody else off the street right really kind of just really kind of was just that that freeing moment and there's a there's a great scene that the, the scene with him um talking to uh his partner josephine uh, McDonald at the end of that was is just like you know where she's like do you feel but basically she's like do you feel better and he's like yeah 
it's, it's, a, it's such a it's such a great human moment in like a world totally out of control and superhuman. It's awesome. Now the um, so getting away from the comic series, but talking about this as is adapted because they they were trying to adapt this as a TV series at one point or try to use elements of it into TV yeah. series, and they I thought Gotham might be this and series i was really excited for gotham because yeah. i because once again i i bought the hype too i thought that this was what it was going to be more like this because they were talking about oh let's let's talk about gotham as a, you know gotham itself as a character yeah and you know and this would be well, just but it's it's supposed to be not about batman it's it's about like the people that live in the city and kind of the other criminal organization just like what gcpd is all about right and um but of course, you know, you found out it was. It was about young Jim Gordon as a detective, and like how what Gotham was before Batman existed, and blah blah. And I, I think the reason why they didn't use, um, or they couldn't use GCPD is there was a moratorium of using anything that has even indirectly dealing with Batman. Yeah. So you couldn't tell a story now that has Batman acting at the same time, because they might. It might interact with a storyline that uh, the main Batman storyline of a movie or a television series. Uh, That's the reason why they couldn't do stuff like that. So it's like you could you could do GCPD and have like maybe three Batman cameos in like the whole entirety of the series. Because Batman is not crucial to the way that the stories work. Just as we talked about them, Batman makes two, maybe three appearances in the first. And they're very quick. Um, But it, it doesn't it would not interfere with. Batman's other cases like Batman can make this trip to see what's going on why did somebody turn on the bat signal and then somebody tells him down dress tries to dress him down and he's like uh thank you very much whatever I gotta go now there's real there's real criminals I gotta go capture it's like you wasted my time for this right exactly <laughs> so they, there's talk about um maybe now making GCPD its own series which would be awesome because you can because you can deal with the whole Batman thing tangentially. Yeah, you can you know at at you know right. at, at at out you know at hand where you're you know like and once again it also creates that whole that that whole dynamic that you know is is that's expressed here, the admiration and frustration about having to you know have this you know this just this game changing presence in your in your city. And being able and also having to clean up after him all the time, which is like, you know, which I would imagine be kind of frustrated. Right. Well, no, most definitely. And I, that's why I'm interested to read the rest of this book and then get the next book, because I just want to see like where, where they go with the story. I think the stories get bigger and better as the series goes on. You get to know the characters yeah. more. You get more backstory about like, why do these people hate each other and why relationships are the I, way they are. I started reading ahead to the next to the uh, to the next uh, plot, you know, to the next uh, site, to, to the next um, story arc. Story arc, and the plot of that is absolutely fantastic. Um, involve it starts off with um, with blackmail, you know, with a with blackmail pictures coming out, and and goes on from there. Right. So the fact that that's where the third story arc is beginning, yep, just goes to show you like the possibility of what's happening, and also deals with, um, yeah, it, it deals with um, a, a very adult. And I don't mean that in like you know, ooh, ooh, a mature theme. I'm, but it, but talks about um, the reason why one of, the reason why it won one of the awards is that uh, it deals with the character and their sexuality and how that's being viewed at you know, especially at this, at, especially back in 2003. Mm-hmm. So once again, this is actually really well done, very groundbreaking. Um, I really just I'm looking forward to. I'm actually going to 
purchase the, the I'm going to go ahead and get the whole series um, after this because I, I'm, you know, I'm just so I'm convinced that this will be really worthy of my time because everything up to everything that I've read has just only made me want to read more. Well, and me too. And that's so I, that's why I said I think I'm going to get the next book, uh, which is the collection of like the stories. Um, so I think this ends with 10. So I think it's like 11 through 20 or something like that. Um, but as we just mentioned, go buy this book. This book is a great read. If you if you know who Brubaker is now, if you know who Greg Rucka is now, yes, um, and you're a fan of their work, definitely pick this up. As I mentioned, I'm not a fan of police procedurals. I'm you know that's not what I yeah, tend to want not. to read when I do. But I could read this all day. Like this is just great writing, great characterization. Um, I want to find out what happens next. I want to read the next story arc that's going to happen. And I didn't because I stopped myself because it's like, I don't want to get too much. I don't want to give away too much. <laughs> and I couldn't resist. That's that's and that's a, and for me, that's a huge thing. Yeah. Normally, when it comes to this stuff, I'm like, um, yeah, I'll read. You know, it's like I'll, I'll because part of what I part, because I didn't want to taint my conversation with you. But fortunately, the way that we structured this was a lot allowed me to be able to interject something at the end of it which, right. without having to influence our conversation, which right. is really good. Yeah. So. I highly recommend ch uh, checking that out. And also, talk about checking things out. Yes. Check out our website, uh, comicsmisremember.com. Right. We have social media all over the place. We have all, we have your normal Facebook and Twitter and other social media, which you can find Instagram. at comics. Yes, at comicsmisremember.com. We also have the podcast available for us, on for you on Anchor. Anchor. Well, the uh, and the re reason why I bring that up is you can always listen to the podcast through the website itself. Every week I, I post uh, what we're going to be talking about, and I have a link to, a direct link to the podcast there. But if you just want to listen to the podcast, you can always subscribe to it through Anchor's links, because Anchor links Apple, it links Google, it links uh, Spotify. It links all the major like podcasts, wherever you can get your podcast. So however you prefer to get your information and your podcast from, we've got a way of being able to address that and get the get this wonderful gem to you delivered weekly. Exactly. And as we've been mentioning for the past few weeks, rate the podcast. Go ahead and rate it. Do you think it's great? Do you think it sucks? We don't mind what you rate it, just as long as you rate it something. And just and also, please give us feedback. One of the things that we one of the things that we really enjoy is being able to share our experiences. But our experiences are only a, is only a small part of 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 this experience and this dialogue that we are hopefully having with you. So please join us. Most definitely. So thank you very much again for listening this week, and we will see you next week with something brand new.